Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. This is it. Last regular season episode of the 2021-22 campaign. And the next time you guys hear from me, we'll be talking lessons learned. The off-season episodes start on Monday. We'll, of course, talk playoff basketball as well. A little tidbits on betting. But for the most part, it's uh, it's going to be study time. Crack open the books. Get ourselves ready for next year. There's a lot of things to go over. A lot of things to go over every offseason. If this is your first offseason with us here on Fantasy NBA Today, you're in for a treat. We have lessons learned. We'll talk to a number of different experts about what they pulled away from this season. We're going to look at players who overperformed, players who underperformed, uh, how good some of the the... Numbers were for the big box sites, which does to some degree kind of give us a a roadmap, not a perfect one, but a a light roadmap on where to take our chances on draft day. By the way, the uh, mid to end of the first round to the beginning of the second round this year was just a total disaster. You never really know where that pocket is going to show up. We were all super worried about the end of the second round this year, and the only guys in that range that really stunk were generally injury-related, which I guess is kind of how the first round went as well. But, you know, like a Michael Porter Jr. was a big-time underperformer, but then a lot of other guys were were fine. You know, Rudy Gobert turned out to be just where you wanted him to be. LaMelo Ball was pretty much right where you wanted him to be. Chris Paul overperformed a little bit, then got hurt, came back early. A lot of names in that area that we had talked about being kind of difficult. Demonis Sabonis was fine. Not great. Got traded. You know, now he's in tank mode. But prior to that, he was okay. Down lower than he was being drafted, which is kind of what we said. Like, last year was sort of a best-case scenario for him, and that came off a little bit. But it ended up being kind of end of the first round, beginning of the season. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how drafts turned out, how the big, back, the big box sites, how their ADPs and pre-ranks correlated to where guys actually should have been going. We'll go through the teams. We'll set yourself up for free agency. All sorts of fun stuff to do in the offseason. But first, we've got one last set of box scores to review. Review the Thursday boxes. Get you set up here for the weekend. few end-of-season roto strategies to take care of. And then we send you off. On to your merry way. Hopefully you guys are in the money in your Roto Leagues, whatever that corresponds to. Top three, generally profitable. We like to do top three win. A little. Basically what we go is of 12 shares of a pot at the end of the year. First place gets six. Second place gets three. Third place gets two. And fourth place gets their buy-in back, which is effectively one share. So six, three, two, one. Counts down nicely. Keeps people involved. It's nice to have fourth place still kind of in the mix a little bit. Anywho, uh, I am Dan Bespris. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening all season long. I don't want to do, I don't want to do a big like end of season thing on the podcast because again, we're right back with episodes on Monday. You know, there's no, there's no drop off here. But I do want to take a second here at the beginning of the show instead of the end because if you do it at the end, I think people start to assume that you're just like that's it, you're done. But we're, again, we're obviously not done. So here at the beginning of the show, thank you to everybody that listened here in what has been unquestionably our most downloaded 
season of Fantasy NBA Today ever. It's basically gone up every season that it's been in existence. Last year was a little bit goofy because of the, uh, and even the, the season before with COVID, although the season before, you know, everything was sort of normal until March, and then all of a sudden the whole thing just imploded. Last year, everybody kind of caught on late, like nobody was listening to the show until <laughs> two weeks before the season started in December, and then everybody listened all at the same time, so that was crazy. There was like a a one-week span where all of a sudden you could see the numbers jump. So it created a little bit of a kind of difficult numbers to follow. But I'll say this, over the course of an entire season, just on averages, if you're looking at monthly stuff, this is far and away our most downloaded season to date. And so thank you guys for that. Another thing I talked about recently, the fact that our listenership actually went up as the month of March went on up until at least, like, the very end of it, now the beginning here of April, now it is finally tapering off a bit, because a lot of leagues have ended, and there's kind of nothing you can do about that. Uh, Like, ultimately, someone's going to stop listening at that point. But the fact that more people were listening in late March than in early March or mid-February even, that's a testament to new listeners, to those of you out there kind of helping us spread the word with five-star reviews, with retweets on social media, with those of you finding me on social media and then kind of coming over to the podcast. So thank you. You guys have been incredible. It's so fun to do this show every day for uh, people out there that are dedicated listeners. Makes it all worthwhile. So thank you for that. Thank you. I I mentioned it in passing a second ago. Thank you to everybody that has rated and reviewed the podcast. Dropped a five-star on this thing on iTunes. It goes a long, long way. I know we're kind of stuck a couple reviews away from 800. I don't actually think we're going to get there in the next three days, but who knows? Please do. I mean, really, if you have 45 seconds here and you're still listening to the pod, surely you can float over, if you're on iTunes at the very least, or the podcast app through Apple, and drop a five-star on it. I love you even more than I already do. Let's do a last in-season show. Got to be very careful with how I phrase it, because, again... There's more show coming. Thursday results, and there were a couple of things worth monitoring here as we pivot into the weekend, even today, should you have time to make any moves. I know show's coming out a little close to tip on Friday night, but we'll, we'll squeeze it out there because, you know, these shows are going to be more like a half an hour here going forward. Charlotte blew out Orlando, as it should be. Magic want to make sure that they remain in that bottom group. I think they've solidified it now. Quick glance. Yeah, they've got 60 losses on the year. So they're going to be in that bottom three, which kind of means like they don't really have a reason to continue to rest anybody. They can play whoever they want, effectively. Mo Bamba turned an ankle. He's doubtful for their next one, which I believe is their last one. Yeah, they only have one game left here. So you can drop him. I know I've had you hold him the entire season. But that actually brings us to uh, one of the roto points I wanted to make later in the show, but I can do it now. You may need to drop functional players on your team just to make sure you hit the games cap because guys are going to get rested. And I've said it before, like, I don't want you saving games caps for Sunday. Try to get them used up tomorrow, Saturday, if you can, because you have no idea who's actually going to be in your lineup on that last day. Half your team could sit. You might come up three, four games short. What if you lost by one roto point? and two or three guys blocking shots would have made the difference. I know Saturday's not a great day for pickups, but and, and Bomba's an easy one because he's hurt, and odds are he's 
probably not going to play anyway. So uh, he's an easy drop. But I'm talking about guys that aren't even hurt and might not be in your top two or three players or, or sorry, bottom two or three players. They are in that bottom two, three players on Sunday. You might as well just get rid of those guys now anyway. You can even go higher than that. You could drop three, four guys on Saturday and again three or four on Sunday because they're going to be all these goofball players that drop in due to weird rest days that like you don't actually need the guys in your team that seem good. I dropped Al Horford in a league. You know, he might be one of my better players on Sunday, but I don't know if he's going to th- if he's going to go. And I'm way behind in games played at the center position. I'm never going to catch up. There's not enough days left and players available to do it. But again, I'm better off playing some random center on Saturday and then finding someone on Sunday cuz everybody plays than sitting and hoping my slightly better pl- center actually does play. Does that make any sense? I don't know if that makes any sense. In my mind, it certainly did. So you, you can drop guys that are well above fringe level just to make sure that you hit your game's cap mark. Now, if you're way over the mark, if that's not going to be a problem for you, fine. You can throw that knowledge out. But, I mean, if you're, again, even remotely close to missing it, to missing the game's cap marker, drop good players. Just drop them. Don't even think twice. It's going to feel terrible when you do it, but you have to. So with that in mind, Mo Bamba's a drop because uh, he's hurt. I like Markel Fultz. He's interesting right now, but he's not a guy you need to hang on to after he's kind of done with his ball game here because, again, what what good is it if he's sitting for a few games in a row? Um, Chumo Kiki, obviously he's a guy I would like to be starting in his next ball game, but... That's the that's the fun slash funny slash very weird thing about the last couple days of the season. Mo Wagner got a start in this one, and now with Bamba likely to sit, Wagner is finally a guy you could use if you wanted to in Roto. He's one of those guys. Again, this is what we're talking about here. He's one of those guys where he's probably not going to be heavily rostered. And if you want to drop someone useful here for Saturday, and then Wagner is a guy you could scoop back up to finish things off on Sunday, cool. Because the guy you have on Saturday is probably not going to be as good as the one you could pick up for Sunday. So don't be afraid to make seven, eight, nine roster moves in the next two days in your Roto League. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. 
Milwaukee beat Boston, but Philly lost in Toronto in the next ballgame. And so right now, as of recording this, if Boston beats Memphis in their last game of the season, Boston would win the Atlantic Division due to tiebreakers. And our 25-1 to ticket on the Celtics to do that would actually cash. I can't believe that that might actually come through. I mean, even when I said it originally, I was like, this is a serious long shot, but it's one I like. And it really might hit. Boston rested Horford. They rested Jason Tatum. Those guys will probably back again. If you want to hang on to all of those guys, please do so. I mean, these are some good uh, basketball players. Sorry, guy recording a podcast with a bunch of baseball games going on in the background. Uh, And we talked about how Daniel Tice is a pretty good fill-in. We talked Derek White as a good fill-in when everybody was getting rested. Now with folks coming back, not so much. And who knows? Does Boston rest someone else? Do they not try as hard for that final win in, in Memphis? I don't know. Or with Memphis? Anyway, you're not diving in on any of this stuff. Daniel Tice is interesting only if we find out that Horford is resting early enough to do something about it. Well, we saw that one coming. So at least, again, that you know day in advance type of stuff is, is really useful. I have to think Milwaukee's going to rest somebody. Giannis is questionable. Uh, you know, Bucks, they have a, a very winnable ball game here coming up and I think well I believe the Bucks are the one team in that upper eastern echelon that doesn't have any vaccine question marks which I know is a weird thing to bring up but someone's going to Toronto whoever the four seed is so it's possible the Bucks might actually play their guys to try to avoid the four seed because I think if the Bucks went out the Celtics went out and the Sixers went out it would be Boston over Milwaukee over Philly due to weird tiebreaker stuff. I don't know. It's it's so strange. The tiebreaker stuff is so strange. Hey, I mentioned, I remember I told you guys Bobby Portis is still good off the bench? He got dropped in a lot of spots. Useful player. Toronto beating Philadelphia was uh, very useful for our 25-1 to odds, especially when Freddie Van Vliet was ruled out. I thought that might have been the, the death blow, but Toronto was able to come through. Pascal Siakam, giant triple-double. Chris Boucher uh, got hurt, came back, and actually was okay despite having to deal with Joel Embiid on the opposite side. When someone's out, Boucher is typically someone you can start. That's kind of that same old rule. Keep motoring. Uh, when Matisse Thibel rests should this come up again in the playoffs Danny Green apparently still has uh, something in the tank so that's interesting not that it's going to matter here for fantasy because you know I guess you could be playing a playoff league whatever New Orleans beat Portland blowout game Chris Dunn's getting rested so or dealing with an ankle thing so you can probably drop him if you were if you were sort of trying to specialize there and that now means that basically Drew Eubanks is the only guy in the Blazers worth playing for New Orleans, this game was over early, so Willie Hernan Gomez got some garbage time minutes. I am curious what the status is going to be for the Pels down the stretch. They're two games up on San Antonio. Uh, each of those teams has two games to go, so I guess it could end up in a tie. I didn't. I don't dig too deep on the the tiebreaker stuff, but I don't think anybody's going to be going too heavy on the workload, but I have to, I also do think New Orleans is going to play their guys for at least one more ball game. If they get one more win under their belt, then they could get rest guys in the last one. Still no DeJounte Murray for San Antonio. Trey Jones is a solid fill-in over there. And then Josh Richardson, typically usable anytime one of the main guys is out. 
Devin Vassell being back makes Richardson a little bit more expendable, certainly. Uh, and then Minnesota got Patrick Beverly back, and lo and behold, they go and win a ball game. He just he turns he's a terribly annoying player to go against, I'm sure, but he does he certainly ups the level of his teammates. That you can always say that about Pat Bev. If he could stay on the floor. Jared Vanderbilt had his best game in a long while. Oh, what the hell that's worth. Probably nothing. Nothing really. Nikola Jokic, 35-16-6 with that giant ball game, secured uh, his place in NBA history as the first player ever with a 2,000-point, 1,000-rebound, 500-assist season. Just remarkable. I've said for a long time he's my MVP vote, and it seems like more and more he's now moved into the driver's seat in that one. Aaron Gordon has actually been really good the last three or four weeks. I, you know, I, I poo-poo him quite a lot. Uh, but his efficiency has been amazing playing next to Jokic. And um, so he's usable here these last, I guess it's the last ball game for Denver. Um, I don't think it's anything that stretches year over year because if Michael Porter Jr. comes back and Jamal Murray comes back, then the usage gets rearranged considerably. But at least for Denver, there is a second guy on that team that's been fantasy useful besides the number one player in the universe. I don't really know what Memphis's deal is. It seems like, and I know we had this one, it got out of hand a little bit for Memphis. I don't know that they would have played their guys heavy minutes even if it wasn't decided early. Grizzlies are locked into the two seed. There's nothing that's going to change that for them right now. Uh, they're hoping to get Ja back for something before the playoff starts, and then you know they're not going to go too heavy on him in that ball game. I think Memphis is looking at probably mid to high 20s in minutes for their guys here down the stretch. So that's a team where if you wanted to drop some players, I'm sure people would call you nuts. They've got two games left. Maybe they play their guys heavy uh, minutes in one of them, but not the other. I don't know. I just, I don't trust them to go a full complement of minutes right now. Maybe they do, but this is one of those weird things. Like, is, could you find someone on the waiver wire that'd be a better play than Desmond Bain, even though Bain's been basically a top 50 guy the entire season? The answer is maybe. Warriors thumped the Lakers, uh, but the big story in this one, Lakers have now pulled the plug on all of their key players now that they've been uh, eliminated from playoff contention. THT, he's a go. Malik Monk is a go. Dwight Howard appears to be a go. I don't think I would start Austin Reeves, and it sounds like they might give him a couple games off down the stretch as well, one or maybe both of them. Stanley Johnson, you're not playing either. Taylor Horton Tucker is going to go out there and take a bunch of shots, and uh, that makes him at least somewhat interesting from a fantasy standpoint. Malik Monk's been a pretty good fantasy player most of the year, actually, for the Lakers. And then if you can handle the free throw thing, Dwight Howard becomes a very interesting field goal percent rebounds player. So the Lakers are kind of interesting here, fantasy-wise, for basically the first time in, you know, three seasons, they've got a couple of guys you can look at and say, oh, that's kind of interesting. And, you know, it's for a couple of days, and that's it. <laughs> Whatever. Take what you can get, right? You take what you can get. Uh, so that's that's the story on Thursday. And this is the way that the things are going to go here over the weekend. You just sort of don't know who you can trust until the games happen. Younger players tend to be safer bets. You can try to read the tea leaves on what teams might be resting guys. Sounds like the Wizards, by the way, just announced as we're recording that they're shutting everybody down for the rest of the year. Kuzma, KCP, Kristaps Porzingis, they're all done for the season. Um, so, you know, that's a team where you have a little bit of warning. 
Although at the same time, it's probably too late to do anything about it today. We knew KCP was out today. We knew Porzingis was out today. We didn't know if anybody might reemerge at some point. But if you go back and you kind of look at what the Wizards have done lately, well, first of all, uh, Porzingis has been doing a lot of the heavy lifting of late. KCP had done a pretty good amount of it as well. Denny Avdia probably moves into a startable position. Uh, Daniel Gafford probably moves into a startable position. Rui Hachimura, perhaps. I believe, and I'll actually check myself on this while we're talking, but I believe the Wizards do still have two games left. Yeah, they do. So you might get a pretty good look at them tonight if you didn't want to make a move super fast on Washington. Like, oh, I better pick up somebody before their next ball game. They're hosting the Knicks. It's going to be ugly. Uh, but they go again on Sunday, and so whatever you find from today's ball game, you can make all your pickups for Saturday to make sure you don't miss out on your games cap. And then on Sunday, you can just pivot into a bunch of Wizards because we've got a big warning on what they're going to look like, and we'll have a game to look at it and know what they're going to look like. So that's what you should be looking for over the weekend in Roto Leagues. Head-to-head, obviously, we've talked about it before. You want to make all your moves by Saturday since everyone plays on Sunday, and you won't have any opportunity to gain an advantage uh, by making a move on Sunday. So we're not going to go really at all into the head-to-head side. On the roto end of the spectrum, as far as this weekend goes, we already talked about lesson number one for roto, which is don't leave any games cap games on the table. We talked about lesson number two, which is be ready to add and drop five guys a day. I'm not kidding. And, and you're like, but Dan, like that's my you know, my eighth, my seventh, eighth, ninth best t- guys in my league that, but I, that I might be dropping if they're not playing on Saturday. And my reply to that is, yep, that is. So go look at your league. Make sure that you're getting basically to a point where, you know, you're within like five of the game's cap limit for the last day. You do not want to leave 10. And I know you're thinking, but Dan, everybody plays... So surely uh, I'll have someone that I can drop into my lineup. Well, it's not always so simple because you might not have guys at the right position. Um, and guys that start games that start at different times, you might have somebody that gets scratched after the guy you were hoping to use as a replacement could potentially fill that game slot. So logistically, it doesn't always work out. And then you get burned by leaving a games cap game on the table. So to that end, look at Sunday and figure out who your best four or five guys are that you also feel pretty damn comfortable are going to play in their game on Sunday. Whoever that might be. I don't know who it is on your team. If you have someone who you're worried might not play, if they're great at basketball, if they're like a top 50 guy, then you add someone that you could use to replace them if they don't play. If they're lower than that, like, I mean, we're talking top 65 or later, basically. If that guy, if that player is a, a, a question mark to potentially not play on Sunday, then I have no problem with you dropping them for someone who will. Or do it a day earlier. Drop them on Saturday. Make sure you inch towards your game's cap limit. And, you know, don't throw someone in on Saturday who's going to go for six points and four rebounds. That's not really going to change your, the outlook of your team all that much. But, again, you just sort of never know when one game played might be the difference between in and out of the money or, you know, between second and third place or something like that. These 
these roto leagues are nuts because you know you're racking up numbers over six months 80 some odd games at every position it seems like teams should be separated by more but because we're all competing with one another because we're all making those little adjustments things end up close 5, 10, 15 rebounds sometimes can separate it, and you might end up winning a category where your opponent has a guy scratched on Sunday, and you used up that game one day early and guaranteed your seven extra rebounds. That might be it. Don't be caught missing the games cap by one or two ball games. It, it's just, it's the worst way to go out. The, it's, you know, it's available there for you. You can put anybody you want in that spot. But all you got to do is be aggressive in your pickups and your drops. So I want you guys, I really do want you, if you're in any jeopardy of missing the games cap, I want you making three or four moves on Saturday and potentially on Sunday. You can kind of flip back to players that you wanted to use more. Because they're out there, man. Right now they are out there. There's players everywhere. The whole Wizards team just opened up as we were doing this podcast. Every non uh usage guy on that roster just all at once became a pickup option for today for Sunday etc all right that's it guys that's our last regular season show I know it's under 30 minutes but what are you gonna do I'm not gonna make something up to fill the air at the end please do drop a five-star review on the podcast thank you everybody for listening to this full season of fantasy NBA today Monday Monday, April the 11th, we embark upon playoff basketball and our lessons learned off-season review getting underway. We're going to love it for a little while, and then we're all going to be super bored, and we're going to want basketball to come back. (laughs) It's how it goes every damn year. I am Dan Baspers. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Have a great weekend, everybody. Off-season shows start in three days. Later. Later.